Now this morning, I'm going to be very direct. I'm not going to call names or anything, but I'm going to be very direct. I'm going to leave no doubt. Actually, we're kind of getting into the so what of the message pretty early. I'm going to ask everyone in here, with no exceptions, everyone in here. If you're watching online, this applies to you as well. And yes, I can see you, and I will know if you do this. We have special technology. I'm asking everyone in here to make two what I think are very reasonable commitments. Just two. And they're simple. Now, you know that simple does not necessarily mean easy. They're simple, they're easy to understand, but not necessarily easy to implement. Here's the two commitments. Number one, I'm asking you to commit to ask God. In just a moment, I'm going to give you a moment to do this. I'm asking you to commit to ask God to speak to your heart directly today through his word, right now. I'm asking you to commit to ask God to speak to your heart directly through his word right now in this hour. Number two, I am asking you to commit to obey God in whatever he tells you to do. Reasonable within the scope of my role as pastor to ask these things of you. Simple, maybe not so easy. Commit to ask God to speak to your heart directly through his word in this hour. You say, well, if I do that, will he honor that? What did he say? Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We were reminded of that last night. If you ask him to speak to you, he will. And then commit to obey God in whatever he tells you to do. Now, what, that, what might that look like? It could very well be that there's somebody here today that's never trusted Christ as their Savior. Perhaps this is your first, first time with us, and this is your first encounter with the gospel. Perhaps you've been here before, and you've heard the gospel a few times. Whatever the case may be, I can tell you right now, if you're willing to hear what God has to say to you, I can already tell you what he's going to say. Come unto me. Believe on me. Let me be your savior. I guarantee you that's what he'll say to you. You see, the gospel is the only, thing we, the only thing we have hope in anymore, or ever. We're all sinners. We're sinners by birth. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. 
Even if you can't wrap your mind around the idea that your sinners in your nature and your sinners in your birth, just like I am, you can wrap your mind, wrap your mind around the, the truth that we sin by choice. We do wrong. And that sin separates us from God and his holiness and from our, our intended home in heaven. And it dooms us to hell. That's the truth. And God, being a righteous God, will not overlook sin. It has to be dealt with. It has to be punished. It has to be cleansed. And the only way we can do that is by being separated from God in hell. But Jesus came to this earth, the Son of God, and took our sins upon himself and let his Father pour his wrath out on him and punish sin in our place on him it's by his stripes we are healed and jesus hung on that cross for six hours and suffered our hell on earth he dismissed his spirit he died and they put him in a tomb and for three days he lay there dead but early that sunday morning he rose again and he would present himself as our high priest and offer his blood on the mercy seat to not just cover our sins but to wash them away and now we can go to heaven because of Jesus. His finished work, his death, burial, and resurrection. How do I apply that? How do I take advantage of that? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Take everything you are and everything you think you should do, and just put that in a ball and put it in the hands of Jesus Christ and say, I'm trusting you and you alone to be my Savior. And Jesus said, if you'll come to him with that kind of an attitude, he'll in no wise cast you out. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. He'll save you today. If you'll ask God to speak to you today and you've never been saved, I can already tell you that's what he's going to tell you. Because that's the most important thing for you in this moment. But maybe you're saved. What might he say to you? He might say, well, saved once, time to get baptized. That's the first step of obedience. Hey, saved one, it's time to take next steps. What, what do we mean by next steps? Maybe it's time to join a church. Maybe it's time to get into discipleship. Maybe it's time to attend Sunday school. Maybe it's time to engage in some kind of ministry. Or it may be something having to do with life alterations. What do I mean by that? Hey, hey, child of God, it's time to add something to your life that should be there. It's time to take something out of your life that shouldn't be there. These are your life alterations. I, I can't say specifically what he'll say to you, but I promise you this. If you will ask the Lord to speak to you today, even if it has nothing to do with the message, God will speak to you about something. He will. And then he will call upon you to be obedient and make a decision. God, forgive me for how many times I've preached messages that are decisionless. We have decisions to make for God. If you're lost, you have a decision to make. If you're saved, you have decisions to make. And God's calling upon us to make those decisions. It's a simple thing, but it's not easy. Good decisions can be very difficult to make and to maintain. Now, let me give you something that, frankly, is probably not going to be that encouraging to you, but it's my job to give you the truth. When you make a good decision, you will, not you might, not you perhaps, you will be resisted by the world, by the devil, 
and by your own flesh. Just go ahead and count on it. You will face resistance. Now let's talk about Nehemiah. Nehemiah made a good decision. In chapter 1 of Nehemiah, we see that he listened to the directions of God in his heart regarding the walls of Jerusalem. He was open to hear God speak to him, and God did speak to him and impressed upon him to go and rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. Then in chapter 2, particularly in the beginning part, we see that he followed through. He took steps to obey the direction of God. These are the two things I'm asking of you, to open your heart, to hear what God has to say to you, and then to take steps to obey him. Now, what do we know about, about Nehemiah? Immediately, after making this decision, immediately, he had enemies. Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian. They came against him. Interesting. Nehemiah had three enemies, and so do we. The world, the flesh, and the devil. They began a concerted attack on all that Nehemiah was trying to accomplish, in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. They used mockery, they cast doubts, they even made threats. But this all came to a head in chapter 6, where we were reading earlier. As Nehemiah was on the wall inspecting the final build and making plans to set the gates, and they invited him to the plain of Ono, purporting to engage in peace talks. But their plan was to assassinate him. Wisely, Nehemiah would not come down from the wall. He had made a decision, and it was not yet complete, and he had a job to complete. And he would not be distracted by the wiles of his three enemies. Now, remember that I asked all of you to listen for God's instruction and then to make the decision to be obedient. That's what I've asked of you. When you do, just like Nehemiah, you will have three enemies pop up. Now, let me give you a cheat code here. I can tell you who the first one's going to be. Your own flesh. Your own flesh is not going to want to do what's right because it's not yet been changed. Your spirit and soul have been changed. You've been given a new nature, but this old flesh still as lost as it ever was. I've been reminded just this week of what our flesh is capable of. Paul said, in my flesh, Paul, arguably one of the greatest Christians to ever walk the earth, Paul said, in my flesh dwells no good thing. No good thing. Your flesh is going to come against you. Eventually the world, and by the world we mean the world's system, the world's way of thinking. You understand that the world is against the things of God, right? John makes that pretty clear in his first epistle. That the world and, and God, they're at enmity with each other. Okay. And then if need be, the devil will get involved. Can I tell you it happens to us all? It happens to us individually, and it happens to us corporately. We as a church have made a decision to, to clearly pursue revival. And as predicted, there has been resistance. We knew it was coming. So what do you do? 
you stay on the wall. You make a decision for Christ today, whether it's to be saved or something once you have been saved. You will encounter resistance. What do you do? You stay on the wall. You stay on the wall. Stay on the course and complete God's instructions. Stay in faithful obedience to the instructions of God. See that decision through. Have you ever heard this phrase, if God led you to it, he'll lead you through it. And that's true. And so our message this morning, three tips for staying on the wall. Now, we've already accepted we're going to listen to God, and we're going to obey whatever he tells us to do. Now I'm giving you a message to tell you what you do after you obey him. How do you stay on the wall? So, Father, would you help us today? This was not the message I intended to preach. And yet you clearly redirected me this morning. And I'm grateful, Lord, I trust that I have minded you, that I have correctly interpreted your will for this morning. Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Would you help us to be open to you, to what you have to say to us? Speak to me, God. And then may we be obedient to whatever directions, instructions you give us. And then, Lord, once we have, help us to stay on the wall. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, I wonder if he's talking about me. I am. If not me, the Holy Ghost of God is. Three tips to staying on the wall. We're talking about making a decision and sticking with it. Making a decision and sticking with it. How do I do that? How do I stay on the wall? Number one, remember the priority of your decision. Remember the priority of your decision. Let's be honest. We've all been guilty of it, haven't we? We've been in some meeting. We've been in some emotional situation, and we make a decision, and then by and by, after a little while, it kind of loses its importance in our thinking, and it kind of floats away. But we've got to remember the priority of your decision. Look at verse number three. I sent messengers unto them. They've asked him to come down and meet them in the plain of, oh, no. And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? He begins by calling his activity a great work. One of the problems that we have is we somehow think that a decision for God is more or less in importance, is more or less in priority. Let me tell you something. There is nothing, nothing so valuable and so wonderful as serving God in whatever capacity that may be. Listen, there is no more luster on my serving God as a pastor as it is somebody serving God as a teacher or as a deacon or as a Sunday school teacher or as a God-loving God garbage man. It doesn't matter if you're serving God where he's put you. That is valuable and that is a priority. And we've got to see it as such. There's no higher calling, no matter of more importance, no matter higher in priority than following God's 
direction. I don't care how much money you have, how much, uh, how much fame you have, how much respect you command, how much you've ascended in society. If you are not following God, then everything else is lower in the priority list. Nehemiah said, I'm not coming down because what I'm doing is a great work. It's not great because I'm great. It's great because God's great. That's what makes it great. And then twice he says that he's not coming down. Any departure from the will of God is a step down in your life. I have seen this. I don't want to use hyperbole. I wanted to say a thousand times. That may be a bit much. But I've seen it a lot. I've seen people come to the preacher, whether it's me or some other, and I'm privy to the conversation. Well, I got a job opportunity, and I'm going to tell you, it's a whole lot more money and a whole lot better path in this career and all of that. Okay, where's it at? It's over in such and such a place. And all right, is there a good church over there? I don't know. I haven't looked into that yet. You better. You better. Because let me tell you what happens. And I'm not saying it's always wrong to take the job, but if we don't look at it the way we should, we can find ourselves in a spiritual wasteland, making all kinds of money and advancing in the company, but no spiritual outlet at all. No Christian friends to help us. We need to make sure that we have the right priorities. Nothing is more important and more noble, higher than obedience to God. Remember the priority of your decision. When you make, I'm not saying if, when you make a decision for Christ today, I'm believing God that you're going to make a decision for Jesus today. When you make a decision for Christ today, I want you to understand something. In that moment, there is nothing of higher priority. Nothing. And Nehemiah understood that. Can I remind you? He was the governor. They called him Tershatha. It's interesting. Spurgeon's wife called Spurgeon Tershatha. Governor. My wife does not call me that. (laughs) Truth be told, I'm the one governed. Not really. He was the governor. Where was he? He was working on the wall. You see, in that moment, his highest calling, his highest priority was not in some office somewhere passing legislation. It was inspecting the wall. Well, we can get big for our britches, can't we? I got news for you. If I'm here one day and I'm by myself and I hear, I hear a sound, not of a mighty rushing wind, but I hear a sound and a toilet's overflowing. I got one of two choices. I can call Aaron. Aaron, can you come down and take care of this? And to his credit, he would. Or I can grab a plunger and fix it. You see, it's not, well, I'm a pastor. I don't do such things. Oh, no. That's the priority. 
And sometimes we can look at ourselves and, well, you know, I've been saved all this time and I do this and I do that. This message isn't for me. What decision do I need to make for God? I'm already everywhere I should be. You better not think that way. Because any failure to make a decision for God is a step down. Remember the priority of your decision. Number two, remember the urgency of your decision. When you're tempted to come off the wall, when you're tempted to give up on that decision that you will make today, trust in God for that. Remember the urgency of your decision. Verse 3. In the middle of verse 3, he says this. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it? Why should the work cease whilst I leave it? What's he saying? He's saying that if he's absent, the work will stop. He is important to that work. Now, I've said this before, and I hope that I've been clear in how I've said this. The truth is, if we refuse to obey God, God will find somebody who will obey him. The work of God will not stop altogether if we're not doing what we ought to do. But do you understand that it will come with a price? That God has given us certain things to do, and if we don't follow through in obedience, there will be hurts, there will be gaps, there will be problems. God forbid a thousand times, if I were to fall into disqualifying sin, why do I, why do I, why do I make that distinction? Because I sin all the time, and so do you. I'm talking about sin that would remove me from being able to be pastor. Would there be another man to step into this role? Yeah but would it hurt this church? Yeah, it would. Would it hurt my family? Sure, it would. So even though we know that we can be replaced, that doesn't mean that you're not important to the work of God. That you make a decision to follow through with what God has called you to do is of the utmost importance. It is urgent, and others are counting on you. The gates still had to be set. This was still a huge security concern. Yeah, the walls are great, but you got gates on all four sides of the city that aren't there. Is that a security concern? Yeah. Yes, it is. This still had to be done. Can I tell you something, friend? Just like Nehemiah, without you, things will go undone. They will. There will be gaps. Without you, people will be left exposed to the enemy. When you're ready to come off the wall and come away from that decision, would you consider those who are counting on you? I don't know if I'm ready to get saved. Well, I'd I'd love for you to see the need to be saved for your own sake, but, but would you agree with me that your family needs you to be saved? Your spouse needs you to be saved. Your kids need you to be saved. Your friends need you to be saved. My goodness, if you're not thinking about it for yourself, think about it for other people. There's people counting on you. Hey, saved people, when we refuse, when we refuse to follow the Lord, there are gaps in our lives. There are things that are left undone, and there are other people that will suffer because of that. I need to do all these things for myself that I might be pleasing to God. But the fact is, my wife, my kids, my church needs me to walk with God. And if I'm not walking with God, all of you are impacted. 
There's an urgency to this thing. This is not something to play around with. There's things happen in the blink of an eye. Remember the urgency of your decision. Remember the priority of your decision. And then finally, remember the integrity of your decision. When you're ready to come off the wall, when you're ready to relax, you're ready to back off of it, remember that this is a decision that is meant to have integrity. Now, what do I mean by integrity? If somebody is, is, is analyzing or examining the structural integrity of something, what, what are they looking to see? They're looking to see, generally speaking, if this thing's holding up. Right? Periodically, I would like to think that they look at bridges and make sure their integrity is still in place. And then when it's not, they take 47 years of one-lane traffic with a weird stoplight to fix it. Those of you that live out in Max Meadows know what I'm talking about. And then they take the light away, and you feel like you're delivered, and then they put it back. (laughs) And no one knows why. When we came here 12 years ago, they were doing that bridge down there. What a mess. If you left for church and it took you 30 minutes to get here, you better add on another 30 minutes if you're coming that way. Because if you miss that light, you're sitting still for a long time. You want to think that things have integrity. You want to think that things, they hold up, they last. Here's the thing. If God leads you to make a decision today, it's not something fleeting. It's meant to last. It's, it's, it's meant to hold up. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what comes, it's meant to hold up. Now, where, where do we see that in this passage? Verse 4. Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Depending on how you read it, they came to Nehemiah with this, with this idea at least four, but probably five times. They attempted this over and again, and each time, Nehemiah's response was the same. His response held up. It stayed the same. There was no degradation in it. There was no weakening of it. It stayed the same. It maintained its integrity. And can I tell you something, friend? Hear this well. If your decision is good enough to make today... It is good enough to keep for the rest of your life. If God's called on you to alter something in your life today, he means for you to maintain that the rest of your life. The Christian life is not this ebb and flow up and down. Of, that's not what it's meant to be. It's meant to be steady. It's meant to be steady. So what? You heard the so what at the beginning. I've asked two things of you. Number one, that you ask God to speak to you directly. And then number two, that you prepare to follow in obedience whatever he's told you. If you're here today and you need to be saved, the days of excuses are over. I I try to be so gentle about this thing, but, but... Listen, I say this out of a heart of love. If you die without Christ, you will go to hell. 
And you cannot afford to keep putting this thing off. It is time to stop trying to analyze it and stop trying to figure out a better way and repent from all of that and turn to Jesus Christ and let him do for you what he died and rose again that he might do for you. Let him be your savior. You're a Christian. God's speaking to you about being baptized, joining the church, um, changing something in your life, getting involved in a ministry, whatever the case may be, whatever he's saying to you today, it's time to obey. It's time to obey. Make that decision. Well, you said if I make that decision, I'm going to be resisted. You sure are. You sure are. And God will give you the grace to bear up against that if you make sure that this decision is one of priority, one of urgency, and one of integrity. May God help us all to make that decision and stay on the wall.